0: Flying. Welcome to Take Flight Podcast with myself, Daniel, but a Take Flight Takeaway. Before I go any further, let me provide a bit of context. In episode 210, I shared the reasons why I stopped putting money into my son's savings account and why I opted for a junior stocks and shares ISA. I would implore you to listen to that episode in its entirety to before listening to this just to provide the basis and some definitions of what I shared there, as I will not be going over all of that in today's episode. Quickly recapping of what I shared in the episode, I covered what a stocks and shares ISA is, the typical idea when it comes to saving for younger ones, and what a better alternative could be considered and why. Additionally, I shared that this is also depending on your risk appetite. I also want to express and reiterate that nothing shared in that episode or in this episode should be considered financial advice. Please consult a qualified financial advisor before making any financial decisions concerning yourself. In this week's episode, I want to double click on what was shared previously and speak about the following. How does a stocks and shares ISA differ from a junior cash ISA? How many junior stocks and shares ISAs as well as a cash ISA you have for your child the drawbacks of a junior stocks and shares ISA, the thinking behind your child handling a large amount of money when they turn 18, as the idea is this amount would um, accumulate and grow over time, and also sharing some of the providers out there that you can think or consider when choosing a junior stocks and shares ISA for your child. Following episode 210, I did get a number of questions in my DM, and I thought it'd be good to do another episode double clicking and sharing more information on that as I didn't want to run away with the fairies in that episode and really lose people, I wanted to take it slowly. So firstly, how does a stocks and shares ISA differ to a cash ISA? A junior cash ISA are effectively tax-efficient savings account. You can't invest on behalf of your child using a junior cash ISA. You will need a junior stocks and shares ISA for that purpose. So that's the key difference. So how many junior stocks and shares ISAs as well as junior cash ISAs can you have for your child? So your child can have a junior cash ISA, a junior stocks and shares ISO, or both each tax year. If they have both, the most they can save is still subject to the £9,000 limit across both accounts for the tax year. So if you want to split the 50-50, that's 4500 that you can invest or put into each account. The limit applies to what you can deposit only and not what you can make by way of return. So it's not about how much it can accumulate over time. It can't be limited to £9,000, it certainly can but it's just about how much you can deposit into those accounts themselves. What are the drawbacks of a junior stocks and shares ISA? So I, I touched on this in the last, in episode 210. So like any investment product, the value of your junior stocks and shares ISA will be dependent on the underlying investment performance of the funds, shares, or bonds you choose to invest in. As a consequence, you may get back less than that been paid for over time. But of course, everyone's idea of investing is that it would grow over time. Secondly. Withdrawals from a junior stocks and shares ISA can only be made by the child once they reach the age of 18. Once the child turns 18, the ISA automatically converts into an adult ISA and then they can choose what they want to do with the money. The only exception to this rule is if a child is terminally ill or dies. In that event, the parent can withdraw the cash. What if I don't trust my child to handle such a large amount of money when they reach 18? So I think this provides a good motivation the parent or guardian to ensure that you teach your children how to handle money so that when they reach the age of 18 they know how to manage the account properly and have some financial discipline. Alternatively you can decide to open up an adult ISO if you really don't trust or you're afraid in your name and then transfer the cash to your child when you think they are ready to take on that capital. The problem however with that approach is that there's always a temptation for you the parent or guardian to dip into that cash for yourself which sort of meets the purpose of what you're, the purpose of what you're trying to do. Something that someone asked me was: there are so many different junior stocks and shares ISAs to choose from, and even more shares, funds, etc. How do you go about choosing the right one for your child? So I think to get started, you can consider the following. There'll be three things which I'll share. One is focus only on global index funds or ready-made portfolios. These are often made up of index funds from leading investment firms. They track the market are low cost and provide immediate diversification. It's incredibly difficult to beat the market consistently. So index funds or ready-made portfolios are usually good value for money. Secondly, you can focus on providers from established, well-capitalized financial firms who have been around for a significant amount of time. I will share some providers um, shortly. And third, as a basic rule of thumb, the younger your child is, the more aggressive you can be in asset allocation. So if you know about allocation of assets... A bit more equities are considered to be riskier than bonds. Bonds can you know, even when you think about your pension and funds as you get older, they diversify primarily into bonds because they are, have less risk attached to them. So when your child is younger, you can only have higher exposure to equities as opposed to bonds, but as they get older or later in their life, even if it's your post, personal own ISA account, look to diversify into safer, less riskier assets. As always, please seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. So, just to step back slightly, I mentioned index fund, and you're probably thinking, what is an index fund exactly? So, an index fund is a portfolio of shares or bonds that is designed to mimic the composition and performance of a broader market. An index fund will seek to mimic the broader market by buying a representative sample of the shares or bonds listed in that underlying index. This is typically done algorithmically or via automated trading leading to lower fees as a human intervention is a minimal. So something that you can explore further. Linked to that, will an index fund beat the overall market? I mentioned that no. I mentioned a few moments ago it, it won't, as an index fund's job actually is to track the market, not to beat it. So actively managed funds try to beat the market, but it's very difficult to do so, and you often incur higher fees regardless of whether they're successful or not. And I think we went back, uh, I think a while ago in a group episode, we spoke about hedge funds who try and outperform the market. But if you haven't listened to that episode and it, and, it, and it piques your interest, please feel free to do so. Can you make a decent return by just tracking the market? Well, so by now, I'm sure this is something you've probably been asking yourself. And the answer is yes, particularly if you're investing for the long term. If you take, for example, the Vanguard S&P 500 ETF index fund, ETF is means exchange traded fund. It has consistently delivered an average annual return of around 10% for the last 10 years. And 10% for the last 10 years is better than that that money or capital sitting in your bank account and certainly not growing by 10%, especially when you factor in inflation. You may also think that that doesn't sound a lot, but it surprisingly is. And let's put that into perspective. Let's say you invest £300 a month every month since your child was born and put it into the S&P 500 index. By the time your child turns 20, that pot of capital would now be worth 206,000 pounds and you would have only invested 72,000. So the decision is yours. I mentioned that the last thing I was going to touch on was the providers that are out there. There are many providers, and this is not a sponsored episode. I I would hope that you would do your own research as to which account to choose that best fits your financial situation that fits the needs for yourself, etc. But some providers that you can consider in no particular order is Vanguard. So Vanguard's a very popular, very easy to use provider. That's the one I use myself, for my, my son. Hargo's Lansdowne, again, they're well-established and they're currently charging no fees on its junior ISO products. Although that was at the time of when I was doing research that could have changed or subject to change at any time. At Fidelity, which are a huge brand um, globally, in, uh, in this space wealthify they're backed by aviva and we're actually winner of the best ice in 2021 and also nutmeg they're backed by jp morgan so quickly in summary there's vanguard argues lansdowne fidelity wealthify and nutmeg please do your own research before releasing your funds is mm-hmm. what i would say So with episode 210 and this episode, I hope this has given you a better all-round picture and hopefully been educative and also informative for yourself, whether you're exploring a junior ISA for your child or even considering an ISA for yourself. As always, if you have any questions, any comments, please feel free to DM me directly, whether it's the podcast Instagram page or mine, my personal Instagram page. I'll be happy to answer any questions. And of course, it will not be financial advice but can just share my thoughts with you there. Just to recap what I shared in this episode, how does a stocks and shares ISA differ from a junior cash ISA? How many junior stocks and shares ISAs as well as junior cash ISAs can you open for your child? The drawbacks of a junior stocks and shares ISA. What you can do if you think your child wouldn't be able to handle such a large sum when they take control of the account age of 18 and also some providers out there that you consider and deciding which is the right one for you if you wanted to go down the ISA route. So thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and God bless.